there's one thing to just lead. It's another thing to lead spiritually. And it gives us hope that one man, one woman can change our nation. So strap your seatbelts on. Here we go. Welcome to the One Cry Podcast, a nationwide call for spiritual awakening. And now your hosts, Bill Eliff and Kyle Reno. Well, welcome to the One Cry Podcast. I'm Kyle Reno. This is Bill Eliff. We have the honor of hosting these weekly podcasts that we hope is really helping you, our listeners, and and, and is a part contributing to what God is doing in our country right now because we know we need revival. We need it so desperately. And and Kyle, you know, I, I've been praying for this for 50 years, yeah. and uh, it's, it's easy to lose hope yeah. every once in a while. You see uh, wicked men yeah. in positions of leadership that do such things that are just taking our nation down. I mean, the difference from where we were right. in the 50s and where we are now morally— right. We're still the same wicked people, but right. but there were some walls up. There yeah. were some guards up. There were some uh, some men who led things and women that yeah. it was in a little different place. But it's easy to give up hope right yeah. now. And when you lose hope, it just hurts. Yeah, you know, it just. I mean, you see that in life and family dynamics and stuff. And and I see it. I mean, I'm thinking about you, and and I've been blessed to have uh, several spiritual fathers mm-hmm. and men that have experienced revival. And mm-hmm. seen the power of God and the presence of God, and seen the nation flourish mm-hmm. in ways that have that have hoped mm-hmm. for the next great move of God. And I've seen moments where they're where culturally things are playing out, and their heart is just heavy. Mm-hmm. Their heart's heavy, and they're like, "Man, this ain't it." Like that is right. is it? And for a second, you know, and if, and be encouraged, listeners, uh, for spiritual giants, you know. That there, there's moments where they're going like, is it going to? Right. Is this ever going to happen? And so I know today you're going to help us look at a guy. Well, and you know, in the Old Testament, particularly in Kings and Chronicles, we see this cycle, right. you know, over and you just get so tired of it a little bit. You right. say, why don't they shape up? You know, yeah, <laughs> of course right. it's us. Sure, right. And, but you see wicked king, wicked king, he did more wicked, he did more wicked. Mm-hmm. But then every once in a while, you get a righteous man. Right. You get a godly man. And he turned it around. Wow. And there wasn't anybody other than David, who was the, probably the greatest king in Israel's history, that God used like that, like Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a godly man. The interesting thing is we don't know what made him that way in terms of his uh, his history and his background and his family. We don't know a lot about that, but we we know that when he became king, he immediately assessed the nation's spiritual condition, and he systematically began to do what was necessary to bring the nation back to God. And by the grace of God, he changed his world. I mean, changed his world. So this is going to be a a little bullet uh, session because there's there's 11 things. I'm just going to point them out, and then read the scripture to you. But it shows you, and it gives us hope that one man, one woman can change our nation. So strap your seatbelts on. Here we go. One man brought the presence of God back into its rightful place, and he did it immediately. The Bible says in Second Chronicles 29, 2, he did right, Hezekiah, in the sight of the Lord, 
according to all that his father David had done in the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. And so the first thing he did is, we're going to seek the presence of God. We're going to make environments where people can encounter God. One man did that. Secondly, one man restored the spiritual leaders into service. He, he knew that he had to have people around him who would do what God had prepared them to do to bring the nation back to God. So it says in 2 Chronicles 29.4, he brought in the priests and the Levites and gathered them into the square on the east and gave them instructions about consecrating the people. Number three, one man led the leaders to repent. It always starts with the leaders, doesn't it? So it says in 2 Chronicles 29.5, he said to these priests and, Le priests and Levites, listen to me, consecrate yourself now and consecrate the house of the Lord, the God of your fathers, and carry the uncleanness out from the holy place. In other words, we're going to get ready to encounter God. We're going to see God change this nation, but it's going to start with you leaders. It's going to start with me, and it's going to start with you. And we're going to remove every bit of unholy practices and, and uh, tools out of here, all the uncleanness. We're going to sweep out the door. One man led the leaders to repent. Or one man properly evaluated why the nation was in ruin, identifying the people's sin and the corresponding judgment of God. So it says in verse 6, Our fathers have been unfaithful, have done evil in the sight of the Lord, and have forsaken him, and turned their faces away from the dwelling place of the Lord, and have turned their backs. They've shut the doors of the porch, put out the lamps, have not burned incense or offered burnt offerings in the holy place to God. Therefore, why is the wrath, why is the judgment of God on the nation? Well, I'll tell you what it is. Therefore, the wrath of the Lord is against Judah and Jerusalem, and he's made us an object of terror, of horror, and of hissing, as you see with your own eyes. And they're so beautiful. You know, we sit around and pontificate about what's wrong with our nation, what's wrong with our schools, what's wrong with our government, what's wrong with Hollywood. Uh, but there, there are rare people who look beyond the external to the biblical spiritual reason. And the reason is we've forsaken God and judgment is upon us. So what do you do when the judgment of God is, is happening is you adjust and you repent and you return. So one man had the eyes to see that, and he brought the people there. His name was Hezekiah. And then Hezekiah, one man, restored the covenant relationship with God. He said, it's in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel, that, is his, that his burning anger may turn away from us. My sons, don't be negl negligent, for the Lord has chosen you to stand before him to minister to him, to be his ministers and burn incense. That's in verse 10 and 11 of chapter 29. So it wasn't enough to just say, hey, here's the problem. The second thing is, we're going to come back into a covenant relationship with God, and here are the steps we're going to take. And then in verse 25, one man brought worship back to God's house. This is so meaningful. 
he then stationed the Levites in the house of the Lord with cymbals, harps, lyres, according to the command of David and Gad the king's seer and Nathan the prophet, for the command was from the Lord through his prophets. Verse 27, Hezekiah gave the order to offer burnt offerings on the altar. Look at this. When the burnt offering began, the song to the Lord began with the trumpets accompanied by the instruments of David. And verse 30, King Hezekiah and the officials ordered the Levites to sing praises to the Lord with the words of David. So they sang praises with joy and they bowed down in worship. Man, I could just, I could preach on that for about two days. But what happened was, is, is Hezekiah said, we've got to start worshiping the Lord. We've got to turn our eyes off ourselves and redirect our praise to the only one to whom it is due. Worship is really, really important, and it plays an integral part in the reviving of a people. One man was used of God to bring worship back to God's people. And then, I love this, one man accomplished a lot suddenly. <laughs> you say, well, what are you trying to say? Well, look what it says in verse 35 of First Chronicles 29. Thus the service of the house of the Lord was established again. Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced over what God had prepared for the people because the thing came about suddenly. In other words, what gave them hope and joy and revived them was all this happened real quick. Uh, oh my goodness, the Lord has been waiting for us and had been waiting for one leader who'd stand up and say, this is the problem. This is what we have to do to correct the problem and return to the Lord. And it happened quickly. And, and their hearts were just filled with joy. In fact, one man called the people to return to God. So Hezekiah comes to the people now. He's dealt with the leaders. They prepared the house, entered back in the covenant, and he said, the king and his princes and all the assembly in Jerusalem had decided to celebrate the Passover. And he said to the people, don't stiffen your necks, but yield to the Lord and enter his sanctuary, which he's consecrated, and serve the Lord that his burning anger will turn away from us because he's gracious and compassionate. And he will not turn away his face from us if we return to him. So he calls all the people back to God. And one man was used to return a nation to aggressive obedience to God. They called for the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So in verse 21, you read it. They celebrated it for seven days like they were supposed to. And then the Bible says they were so excited, they celebrated for seven more days. I mean, he, he just brought the people back, not just to obey the Lord, but to over-obey, if you could say it like that, to aggressively, they saw the value of righteousness. They saw the value of obedience because of Hezekiah, and they would have never seen that. I mean, they'd been going for years and not meeting with the Lord like this. But when they experienced it, then they wanted more. One man, here's another one, was instrumental in bringing back joy to the nation. I love this. Chapter 30, verse 26. There was great joy in Jerusalem because there was nothing like this in Jerusalem 
since the days of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Isn't that wonderful? Joy came back. Well, why? Because we're right with the Lord. We're doing what God told us to do. I, I look around the nation right now. You know what I don't see? Joy. What I don't see is I see anger. I see rioting. I see chaos. I see bitterness. Even in the church, a lot of times, I see discouragement and disappointment and resignation. But here's one guy who is used by God to identify the people, to bring them back the proper way to God. And when that happened, there was joy, just incredible joy. Now, those are 10 things. There's one more little PS, and this one's really good. One man restored God's plan for giving, and uh, it was used by God to change the nation. So the Bible says in chapter 31, verse 5, Hezekiah gave an order, and the sons of Israel provided in abundance the first fruits of grain, new wine, oil, honey, of all the produce of the field. They brought abundantly the tithe of all. And, and the people just did this gladly. And then to kind of sum it all up, it says, Thus Hezekiah did throughout all Judah, and he did what was good, right, and true before the Lord. Every work which he began in the service of the house of God in law and commandment, seeking his God, he did with all his heart, and he prospered. He obeyed God and led the people to obey God with all their heart. And Kyle, I, I just love this. Yeah. I mean, you've, you've had decades right. of bad kings, <laughs> and you're just kind of out of hope. You know, your hope yeah. juices are gone. <laughs> yeah, right. And then all of a sudden, here comes this one guy right. and says, no, I, I know what the problem yeah. is, and, and we're going to make the corrections, and here's joy and abundance right. and giving and right. prosperity. You know, There's no substitute for spiritual leadership. Oh man, there's no substitute. And you know what I've I've found in the in the kingdom of God, everybody's leading somebody. Mm -hmm. You know, like right. I, that. Now God decides to what degree mm -hmm. you lead, but there is that. There's one thing to just lead; mm -hmm. it's another thing to lead spiritually. Right. And that dude just led yeah. spiritually. Everything you share, and I thought, well, that's just a, what a spiritual leader does. There wasn't a humanistic plan no. in there at all. Uh -uh. He didn't come to one spot and say, okay, now let's do it this way. Right. No, it's just, and what's interesting is it was returning to the old ways. Yeah, that's right. Ancient past. As to what David had done. Right. This is how we were prosperous yeah. under David. Yeah. This is how we can yeah, follow yeah. God new, now. New is not necessarily better. No. You know? and, yeah. and to renew things, though, yeah. oftentimes are. So we always try to take time to hear these truths and then just to, or have our faith built through a testimony. Right. So we're going to listen to a testimony right now uh, that I believe is really going to build your faith. So let's, let's listen together. Well, hello, my name is Byron Paulus. I am so blessed to be the founder of the One Cry Movement, and I'm so blessed to be able to uh, partner with Bill Elif and Kyle Reno. And man, what a team there that uh, just week after week uh, shares their heart biblically for revival and prayer. 
And I'm so grateful for the way God is blessing this One Cry Weekly podcast. I think it's the only weekly podcast that focuses exclusively on revival and spiritual awakening, uh, at least that I know of in our nation. And uh, and God's just blessing it. Uh, I know there's been 27,000 downloads and since its recent inception, and also over 90, maybe 100 countries where it's been downloaded. So uh, I do believe a forerunner. A paving the way for a movement of God's spirit uh, begins with proper biblical teaching. But then we also know, which is what I love about this segment right here, we also know that revival spreads on the wings of testimonies, that literally it's the fame of revival that spreads the flame of revival. And I know when I hear stories or read in, in, in accounts of movements of God, my heart just leaps. Uh, I got a text this week about 500 and some individuals in a church showing up on Tuesday night for their very first prayer gathering as a congregation. And then the pastor told me this. He said, uh, it wasn't the number of people. It's that God was there. So we love it when God moves in revival, and I love to hear the stories, and I can't wait to let you meet a dear, 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 long, long-time friend, uh, Dr. Ed Gomes. And so Dr. Ed Gomes is at Liberty University. Uh, we traveled on a revival team. Uh, now, I'm, I'm sharing our age a little bit, and, and I know this is your birthday, Ed. So anyway, we traveled on a team in the 70s that focused exclusively on seeking God for revival in churches, and both of us were deeply impacted. So I want to, I want to, Ed, I want you to share today who, by the way, Ed is the chaplain for the Liberty University football team, and uh, that's a great program right now, and so congratulations. But hey, Ed, tell us a little bit about your journey and then exposure to the same revival truths that transformed my heart and, and my life. So Ed, welcome. Thank you, Byron. Uh, it's a privilege to uh, be a part of this uh, podcast. Guys, I was saved, uh, folks, I was saved in 1971. And God opened up a door uh, through a friend of mine that I met uh, while attending a Bible school. And God used him to put me in contact with a basketball coach in Lynchburg, Virginia. Hmm. And his name was Dan Manley. So I came to then Lynchburg Baptist College in 1974. And I honestly don't remember if it was 1974 or 1975, but one of those years, a revival broke out on our campus. I mean, classrooms were canceled. Uh, meetings in the dormitories were extended. Uh, hundreds of, of, of students were, were saved, were, 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 were so, so uh, literally uh, that, Revival turned our Lynchburg Baptist College school upside down. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that was my first uh, encounter with uh, uh, life action, revival. And then God had placed a burden on my heart to possibly take the revival principles to the urban community. Mm -hmm. And so I had the privilege of foregoing my senior year. Uh, the Bible school that I was at, uh, all those credits transferred. So I needed one more class, a biology class. But so God allowed through my friend, Dr. Heinsohn, to be a part of life action ministries. First year I was engaged, second year married. 
But as I look back of those two years, there's, there's probably the biggest thing that I learned in my own life is what obedience is. Mm. And obedience is doing exactly what God tells you to do instantly with the right heart attitude. And, uh, you know, today's my birthday, so folks are singing to me, but I could sing the obedience song, but I won't. <laughs> I don't want to hurt anybody's ear. But the first thing that I would say is what it meant to be obedient, mm -hmm. to listen to the Holy Spirit speak to me about specific areas, specific things in my life that God wanted me to do about, to do something about. And so that has been a principle that I have tried to live out uh, over these years as a Christian. The second thing that I had the privilege of learning while being a part of Life Action is motives for ministry. Mm -hmm. if, if my motive is for me and it's all about production, then I'm going to lose and those that I'm serving are going to lose. Mm -hmm. But if my motives are biblically based, and I focus on building people. And I can hear Dell talking about this. If I take care of the depth, God will take care of the breath. So the two principles that I have walked away and I've tried to live out as a, as a former member of Life Action Ministries, obedience and motives for ministry. If wow. I will build into the lives of people principles, first of all, if I will live it and then produce it, uh, the end result will be a blessing. So those are the two things, Byron. Well, Ed, you, you touched on a couple of things that I can't just race by here that uh, I really want pastors and these leaders, those who are listening to this podcast to capture. You, you saw, you witnessed, you heard the stories of what it was like when God descended really on that campus. And uh, there's a book called Glory in the Church that was written by Dr. Ed Heinsohn. And in that book, it gives a, an account. And Dr. Falwell gives an account there in that last uh, kind of epilogue of that book of exactly what happened. And there were over 500 students. And it was small back then, but there were uh, academy and college. But it was, it was amazing when the conviction of God came. Literally, professors fell under conviction. And that's why the classes, as you mentioned, had to shut down, not because some administrator said we got to shut down classes. It's because God shut them down with his spirit. So getting a taste, I know for me, man, I remember Connorsville, Indiana. I'm not sure if you were there, Ed, but you may I have was. been. But when God moved and put those two churches back together miraculously, I, I remember thinking I could spend the rest of my life just waiting for one more movement of his spirit like that. So I love the way God put that into your heart as a foundation. Then, then you mentioned obedience and A.W. Tozer, I've quoted this often, but A.W. Tozer said, revival will come when even prayer is not used as a substitute for obedience. And uh, man, I, I'm with you. I remember that definition of obedience, doing exactly what God says instantly with a right heart attitude. Uh, so uh, you're in a context there, I know now, and uh, where God then thrust you into ministry after you uh, got a taste of revival, learned the importance of obedience and right motives. And uh, you were sharing with me earlier, just as you work with the... Uh, uh, football team, uh, how even today, um, 
God is bringing home to your heart principles like that to transfer in ministry to others. But I want to go back to the motive. And you may not feel comfortable sharing this, but I think pastors, all of us, I need to be reminded of this. And uh, my first encounter with you was when you wanted to shine my shoes. And I said, no, uh, I didn't I didn't want anybody shining my shoes. I was way too proud to let somebody serve me, you know. And uh, But that was a ministry and a motive of your ministry to just serve others, period, in any way possible. And you're still doing that today. Because I remember just a couple of years ago, I called you and I said, Ed, what you doing? You said, well, I'm standing here by a car shining somebody's shoes. Uh, talk to us about that motive of just being a servant. You know, when you think of how good uh, God has been to us, um, all that we can do is realize that by his grace, uh, we have been forgiven, we have been saved. And so uh, my desire is, God, how, do you, how can you use me? And, and again, you're right, Byron, just the other day, uh, someone uh, came into my office, and I don't know side language, but his shoes were... Uh, crying for polish. And so I said, brother, sit down. I, uh, sit down. I, I got something for you. So I shined his shoes. But I think, you know, especially back then, Byron, mm. when race relationships were not good in the early 70s mm-hmm. or mid-70s. Yeah. And I think they're a little better today. But mm-hmm. we get a chance to model what real, authentic Christianity is. Right. And so to be able to shine someone's shoes, to be able to uh, be a servant, uh, it's basically uh, trying to model servant leadership the way Jesus modeled it for us. So uh, that is a, um, you know, I always tell folks, don't wait to be a blessing. Take the initiative to be the blessing. And mm-hmm. so, again, and, I, and I, I saw this in our director's life, Adele. Adele was a servant. Uh, it was about serving others. And so yourself and others have modeled it. And so uh, to me, it's, 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 it's living out my relationship with God every day. And the best thing that I can do uh, to fulfill that is obviously it's obedience, but it's to serve others. And when I serve others, I take the focus off of me and I put it on someone else. Ed, uh, We both know the name Steve Canfield, and uh, who's been faithfully proclaiming these truths and principles for 47, 48 years as a revivalist. And just a year ago, I was so struck when he just kind of paused and then said, we're never more like Jesus than when we're serving somebody else. And uh, thanks for modeling that for me, Ed. And you're right. During those 70s, I mean, I I graduated in the late 60s and I was in the midst of all the uh, chaos and race riots and everything else that was going on and uh, demonstrations, et cetera, et cetera. But I think what is so cool, and we can declare this right now because of uh, a major emphasis around the corner on the Jesus movement. And I, I didn't have a clue when God was moving there at Lynchburg, when God was moving in Connersville and elsewhere. I didn't realize we were just a small part of a much bigger thing God was doing around the nation. And a new Jesus movement a movie is on the verge of coming out early in 23. I saw clips of it yesterday. And Ed, I thought about 
we were actually not knowing it. We were right in the midst of what God was doing and stirring hearts across this nation. And what now you can look back on and historians are going to say and are saying that was a critical moment of almost the end to our country. But God intervened with a Jesus movement, I believe, that rescued our country. Amen. So, Ed, I want to—I just want to say thank you for this little uh, interview today and your testimony, man. That's been a model to me, and I trust it'll stir others to realize there are seeds, pastors, you're planting now that uh, going to reap some real dividends in people like Ed Gomes wherever you're ministering. And uh, Ed, one last word, and then we're going to come back for another segment because I, I want to hear about how God's. Uh, moving in you and through you to minister to football players. But anything on your heart uh, here before we close this segment? I would say uh, to the folks who are listening, and we've always heard this, um, draw a circle, get inside the circle, and ask God to do something inside the circle, and then watch what God will do outside the circle. Well, again, it's awesome to hear faith-building stories yeah. about what God is doing. And our hope is that these things are stimulating faith in you and restoring hope today. Mm -hmm. Hope that God is still on the move and yeah. he still uses people. So we don't want to just talk it. We want to pray it. And yeah. as always, don't just listen to Bill and I pray. We are going to pray on your behalf and even for ourselves. But join us. Mm -hmm. Agree with us. And so I'll start, Bill, and you right. close us up. Lord, thank you. Thank you for just redemptive history. God, thank you that we're not the first people to find us ourselves at a point in history like this, uh, Lord, and that there are cycles because of our brokenness and mm -hmm. sinfulness, but there's just so much of your goodness. Uh, Lord, there's so many times that you redeem us. And so, God, I pray, would you raise up, uh, Lord, some modern-day Hezekiahs, That's right. uh, Lord, men and women that will follow and rightly assess and speak to it and make corrections, God, from our own homes, mm -hmm. uh, Lord, to in our own churches and cities, Lord. And ultimately, I ask you would do that across our country, we pray. And Father, thank you for real-life stories we're hearing each week in this podcast about people who are, they are the Hezekiahs of our day and that you're using and just gives us such hope that maybe you could use me. Mm -hmm. And uh, I pray, Father, for every adjustment that we need to make to be usable to you. And, uh, Lord, we, we think of how bold Hezekiah was uh, to just say, hey, you know, we're going to do this. We think of Joshua saying, well, if you want to serve the gods on the other side of the river, that's fine. But as for me and my house... We're going to serve the Lord, and we're going to obey Him in sincerity and truth. So, Lord, we want to be those men. We want to be those women. We want to raise those children who live that way. And I pray, Father, we would make adjustments uh, today, uh, this week, that would put us in a posture to be used by you. Uh, so we ask that for your sake and your glory. Amen. Amen. Well, again, thank you for joining us today. If you'll take some time even now to just pass it along, mm -hmm. to just think of somebody in your church or in your friend group that could be encouraged by this to believe with you. Maybe send them a little text with a link to it or something and say, hey, I'm believing God for this right now. And we'll see you next week as we continue in this series.